Hello, space nerds. Welcome to Raktagino and Root Beer, a Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Michael. On this podcast, we are reviewing every Deep Space Nine episode from the pilot to the finale. It'll be so exciting, it's going to give you umox. Pull up a chair and join in the discussion over some Raktagino and Root Beer. If you would like to contact us, set hailing frequencies to rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Today on the show, we're going to review Season 1, Episodes 11 and 12, The Nagus and Vortex. Let's start off with The Nagus first. Michael, why don't you give us a little bit of a, a plot synopsis of this? So in this episode, uh, a lot of Ferengi are arriving at DS9. Uh, Commander Sisko is trying to figure out why. And it turns out that Quark is being visited by the Grand Nagus, who is the head of the Ferengi Alliance and also oversees their business interests. And the reason he's there is because he wants to retire and he's looking at the uh, Gamma Quadrant as a new place of opportunity for his successor. Uh, he dies under mysterious circumstances and Quark is named as his successor to the surprise of everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, we have uh, Nog, uh, the bro- the son of Cork's brother and Jake uh, getting into trouble. So that's, <laughs> that is my summary Very of, nice. the, of the B plot. What did uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I loved it. I thought it was a great episode. Um, yeah. And Wallace Shawn was fantastic in it. Um, yeah. It had a lot of humor and, and like uh, actual humor that worked. Actual humor. I actually laughed out loud. Yeah, which, which was great. What did, what did you think of it? I really liked it, um, I, which was surprising because I remember being a kid and hating all the Ferengi episodes, mm. uh, but I really enjoyed it just because, um, well, there's lots of reasons. I think it was really well done. Um, I think one of the strengths of Star Trek is when it shows a non-human society operating in a way that makes sense and that doesn't seem horrible and terrible. Yeah. And so it's like... The Ferengi, their world makes sense in this kind of weird way that we, we wouldn't want to live in. But um, Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, uh, it's, it's different. And so it offers like a criticism of, of our way of doing things mm-hmm. um, and like in a very subtle way, just by showing a different way of being. I, I think one of the reasons why I, I like the, the humor is is when they play the Ferengi as, as being more sinister. I don't think it, it quite works. Uh, we, yeah. We've seen in previous episodes already when Quark is doing things that are a little bit too uh, sinister and criminal. Uh, in this, it's, it's funny. I, I really liked that at the start where um, he scolds his brother... Uh, for returning a client's purse with the money in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he gets really mad at him. And, and then and then the brother turns around and scolds his own son. And then uh, it's just, it's a funny moment. Yeah. Or the, um, the son of the Nagus comes in and Quirk uh, uh, goes, are you here for business or pleasure? And the, uh, the Ferengi goes, is there any difference? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it's those moments that are great, like when you when it does capture like the character of the Ferengi, and um, and and just all the extended well, just having Sean on an episode like this, like he's such a a great actor, and he just runs with B 
being that disgusting Zach, he becomes as disgusting as possible, <laughs> yeah. and it's so enjoyable. You you can tell that he's really loving the role. Yeah, yeah, and you you love, and I I think that's what I like about the Ferengi too, um, is that they are they they're delighted in their um, in their search for money, and yeah. like they're just so excited by it, yeah. you know. Um, and so it's exciting to have them on on screen. I can see why someone would like someone a Star Trek fan would hate this episode because it is just a bunch of talking, and there's like very little, like very low stakes. Mm. But I felt that the story worked because it had such low stakes. Like we weren't worried about the the station blowing up or um, no. It, 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 the low stakes let the let the humor shine through. I think yeah. that was good. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, um, well, I mean, Quark was in danger, but it was it was all played for laughs. Um, like even the part where his brother was about to shove him through the airlock, <laughs> like it was kind of it was a little scary. But then they quickly like they did a good job of balancing the tone there. Mm. Um, and the and the the Ferengi are always congratulating each other for stabbing someone else in the back. Yeah. And even after Quark's brother almost kills him, Quark congratulates him, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm really impressed with yeah, that." Yeah, I that. didn't think you had the lobes. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, Quark does a spit take in this episode, which oh, I enjoyed yeah. too. Like classic spit take. Classic comedy yeah. spit take. Um, uh, yeah. Just overall, the tone was really good. Like, I felt like I understood the tone all the way through. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I wrote down here on my notes that I originally thought the episode was going to be one that I didn't like, and I actually mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm poor O'Brien. Um, <laughs> he's been made teacher of the school while Keiko is away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, the worst thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> that poor guy. He's always put into the worst situations. <laughs> I I really liked the um, there are some really fantastic lines in this and and I like when the the Nagus is is explaining why he needs to retire and he and he's so wistful and forlorn and he says I'm just not as greedy as I used to be <laughs> and and then, and then they're they're when he's giving the reasons for how exciting the Gamma Quadrant is, is because no one has heard of the Ferengi before. <laughs> we have, we have a, a brand new reputa- reputation. Nobody yeah. knows that we'll rip them off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, like, in things like um, they had that conference at DS9 where they, you know, invited all these important people to talk about the Gamma Quadrant. And having the conference at DS9 actually made sense. Like, sometimes they have these sorts of things and you're like, why are they doing it here? It doesn't make any sense. But it actually does make a lot of sense for the for the leader to have a conference at a at a space station right next to the wormhole. Mm-hmm. It's also, uh, and I think the next episode continues this. It's good. It's nice having this feeling of like two worlds on the station. The like, um, I'm thinking of it like upstairs, downstairs. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like the downstairs is the Ferengi and like and kind of Odo because he's in there as well. And just the the people and things that are happening on the station that are not related to the command and running of the mm-hmm. station, and then the people above. We, which is really something that, that was never done in Star Trek before, in yeah. Deep Space Nine. Well, they had that episode where uh, it was called Lower, Lower Decks. Do you remember that episode? Oh, From yeah. From The Next Generation, where yeah. they, um, they showed, they just focused on four, like, ensigns, mm. and, uh, and at the end, one of them died, so awful mm. but uh, it just kind of gave you that view that world the view into the world underneath the command structure 
And it's exciting to think about that because we get so used to these these mm-hmm. people bossing everyone else around. It's interesting to see how the people below are reacting and doing living their own lives. Well, this is interesting to me. Uh, I was reading that the new Star Trek show that's coming out, uh, Brian Fuller is going to focus on one character who's not the captain, who works underneath the captain. Yeah. I thought that that was an interesting choice. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, we've heard, I've heard some stuff that's very interesting about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what did you think of the, the B-plot with Jake and Nog? Um, it was a little, uh, a little sentimental, but mm-hmm. um, I actually, once again, re-watching it, I'm actually liking Jake and Nog a lot more than I did the first time. Yeah. And I actually kind of like their characters. And I liked that moment in the school when... Um, uh, Nog gets Jake to lie for him mm-hmm. about his homework, um, and I thought that was like a really nice, like good a bit of characterization that was done very efficiently. Yeah, and um, and then just the moment at the end with Cisco when he realizes that his son. I I thought that the payoff on that was really good. Yeah, I, I actually thought it was a wonderful scene. Yeah, and I think that um, Avery Brooks, I think he does. He's much better, and probably just because he's used to it in, in terms of acting. In terms of his acting, his acting improves when he's with Jake. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and he's kind of much better in the father-son role than sometimes as commander. I'm like, I don't, I don't think you know what you're supposed to be doing in these situations. Mm-hmm. But as a father, I think he instinctually understands it. And yeah. Like he acts, he's he's a good actor. I thought he was good in it. I mean, he didn't have a lot to do in this, other yeah. than get mad at Jake for not going to Bajor with him for whatever festival. <laughs> the, the fire caves, the yeah, fi- the fire caves, yeah. Um, but I, I, I know I've been hard on Mr. Brooks, and I think, I think he's growing on me. I think he's growing into the role, and I think he's getting better at it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think definitely he's getting better. Um, uh. Once again, Dax. Poor Dax has uh, no characterization whatsoever. But she, they did give her a little bit when they uh, when she came into the uh, Cisco's quarters and she sat backwards on a chair for no reason. <laughs> did, did you notice this? <laughs> she just like turns the chair around and then sits, I, <laughs> straddles it. I think she just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I did like when she like just starts eating all the stew. Yeah, that was kind of cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just like it had nice some some nice characterization moments. Uh, oh, the I like the major domo character, the the really really tall guy who. Oh, the silent. bodyguard. Yeah, but he's yeah. Not, he's like more like a servant kind of person. But and he comes from a race that's incredibly loyal. Yeah, yeah. They're just like a race of servants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you were? Uh, it. It, honestly, I I really like this episode and and um, yeah, yeah. I think it what it did is it starts to show um, what DS Nine can do um, when it doesn't focus, like it doesn't try to be the spaceship show when it try when it's more focused on oh this is a place with lots of different people on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and of course it's I mean it's about. Uh, developing the frontier and, and, and of course if you have a, a stable wormhole opening into a, a quadrant that yeah. no one's really explored before of course the Ferengi alliance will, will want in on the action yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just an interesting yeah. thing Yeah. Um, and this was the first episode with the rules of acquisition 
Yes. Which we're going to hear a lot from uh, as we go through. Now, the rules of acquisition, do you know how, how much of that was developed before DS9? Uh, like, did they get into it in TNG? I don't no, remember. No, this, this was It was developed for DS9. I was just reading about it. Um, and uh, I think it was one of the executive producers... Um, was like, oh, we should come up with a Bible. Like, they're going to have a Bible. Like, mm-hmm. cause basically, that's what it is. Um, and so then they just started listing them. And uh, I don't think they ever had, like, a... I think they came up... They developed a list over time, but they never developed it beforehand. Um, and I think it was the one... I think it's the rule they say in this episode, the never let family come between you and profits. And right. uh, and I was reading the trivia, and it was saying that this is the rule that's most often broken by um, Quark because um, he does. He's kind of a little sentimental. He lets yeah. his family get in the way of profits, even when they try and kill him. Yeah, <laughs> even when they try to kill him. Yeah, I mean, once again, it's uh, like a Quark is uh, Armin Shimmerman is like one of the best actors on the show. So agreed. Having having a sh- episode focused around him is going to be great. Seeing him interact with Wallace Shawn was a real treat. Yeah. I, mean, I thought they were really wonderful together. Yeah. And um, this is the first episode with his brother Rom acting like Rom. Previously he'd act a little bit differently. Mm. But this is, the di- this is the episode when he developed his character and this is his character from now on. Right. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, I thought it was good. I, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised. I was terrified <laughs> that the whole first season would be a, a wreck. We've and... we've had some we've had some surprises. I think, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's it's pretty good. Okay, well that's um, that's it for the Nagus. Well, let's move on to the next episode, Vortex. Uh, Matthew, would you like to sum it up? Sure, sure. Um, so in this episode, uh, it starts out with a meeting between Quark and um, some Miradorns, these uh, twinned aliens. And um, they're going to do a trade for, I think it's a goblet, isn't it? An um, orb, I think, or something. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's a cup or something like that. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a MacGuffin. Anyway, and then uh, this alien named Croden uh, bursts in and um, uh, kills one of the Miradorns and tries to uh, run off with the, with the artifact. And he's captured and put into um, security. And as they're talking to him, or as Odo is talking to him, Odo realizes that this person knows something about his race. Um, and the the criminal named Croden says, oh, you're a changeling. And this is the first time we've heard the term changeling to refer to Odo's species. And um, Odo is tasked with taking this uh, gentleman back to his home planet to serve for the crimes that he committed. And on the way, he makes some decisions about... Um, about uh, finding out about his past and um, what he's going to do with this particular criminal. And what did you think about this one? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, actually. Um, what did you think? You seem to be like... I, it was okay. I, it wasn't... I, I guess it was a slight come down from the previous episode. <laughs> you know? I, like, I enjoyed a lot the Nagus one so much, but it was good. I, I liked uh, learning a bit more about Odo, because... You are rewatching these. I'm yeah. watching these for the first time, and uh, so I'm very curious about about uh, Odo's people. Yeah, um, yeah, and um, I, I I found uh, the uh, 
uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. Croden? Croden? Croden. I found Croden, uh, he's such a, it's a strange character. Uh, he's just so unlikable. Oh, I liked him. Yeah. Oh, I liked him. Um, so that was your problem with the episode that you didn't like the, <laughs> the Croden character? He, he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, I don't know. There's just something about him that I really didn't care about. Was it his hair? I mean, hair? It, it changes at the end. When you see him with his daughter, you know, it's, it's, it's great. His hair, I didn't like his hair. I didn't like his outfit. Um, see, I really liked him because I liked, uh, the fact that, like, Rewatching this, I didn't even remember this episode really. Um, rewatching it, I didn't know what Croden was going to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't know whether he was a criminal or not. And so for me, the way he was acting helped sustain that mystery. Like he seems a little bit like dishonest and, and untrustworthy. And. Um, I thought that characterization helped with the mystery. Mm-hmm. And um, I liked the mystery in this. Um, I liked how they played it out. I liked um, how they they got to the place where Odo lets him go. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was pretty good. Because Odo is all about doing what... You know, he following the rules and doing what's right yep. and everything. Yeah. And... Um, and getting him to a place where he's willing to go see ya. Mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that was well done. Um and I thought the ending with the daughter was actually genuinely affecting. Like, yeah. Oh no, I like when they when he took her out of that stasis chamber and Yeah, and just like yeah. when he's like, "Oh, I have to go back to the homeworld and you will have to go to Bajor and like this poor girl like living on an alien planet by herself. Mm. Like, how horrible would that be? Yeah. Um, uh, it was nice that the Vulcans arrived at the end to, yeah, to little, whisk them away. A little deus ex machina, but yeah. sure, why not? One, one thing I, I have written here, uh, makeup getting better for Odo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, He's looking. He doesn't look like an old man anymore. He looks. He looks better. Yeah, he had a little bit of a hair flyaway during one of the scenes <laughs> with the, the battle. Um, yeah, uh, um, the I really liked. I I liked this episode. Um, I liked how the story was told because it was told in a way where there were gaps. Like they didn't. Sometimes Star Trek's a little bit too much like, okay, this happened, then this happened. They t- like they kind of lay out the plot a little too much. This one started out with the mystery of who Croden is. And um, you find out who Croden is not because anyone is really trying to figure it out, but because the story just reveals it. Like sometimes they have like, you know, like the, like, I don't know. Dax is like, I have to figure out who this person is. And right. it becomes this artificial thing. Whereas this just kind of naturally glides through where, like... Yeah, the the way that you discover more about him is is very, very well done. Yeah, it's just naturally done. And and once again, it's that below stairs and above stairs thing Mm -hmm. um, with, like, the Ferengi and doing all their sorts of uh, stuff. Um, And unlike some of the other episodes where the Ferengi do stuff and it imperils the station mm-hmm. this is just something that happens and um they the commander kind of has to deal with it but it's not a huge problem like 
I don't know. It's it's just showing those two worlds once again. It's not mm. trying to um, wrap it all up together in one world. There were some nice. Uh, there's a couple callbacks to uh, classic Star Trek in this. I liked. Um, one was when they go into that nebula thing when they're trying to escape, uh, mm-hmm. and which is a, of course a throwback to the Wrath of Khan. I thought it was that was a fun scene. Yeah. And one I didn't realize, but. Um, Odo has a line like, I'm a security chief, not a pilot, or something, yeah, yeah. which is, you know, McCoy, classic, yeah. classic McCoy line, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, uh, the, I had the, it, there was an issue with how they escaped from the Miradorn scanners. I don't quite know how, if a Miradorn scanner can scan through a vessel's hull, I don't know why I wouldn't notice a runabout next to, uh, a ship. Oh, when they left uh, DS9. They yeah. left DS9. I was like, mm, I'm not sure. Yeah. And um, I really enjoyed how stupid the runabout computer was. Because um, <laughs> at one point, Odo goes, goes uh, they're fired on. And Odo goes, what was that? And the computer goes, that was a uh, electrical discharge. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, so we're under attack. And, and the computer's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, the Miradorn, like, as as a villain, I, I kind of like the idea of being a twin and, you know, like, mm-hmm. it was, it was yeah. this horrible thing for him to go through. But uh, I didn't like at the end, he, he threatens to kill to kill him in front of Odo. Like, like in front of the chief of security, I will kill you. It's probably not a, not yeah. a smart legal move. No, not a smart legal move. Um, yeah, I mean, and... Uh, a lot of what Croden says is, um, you know, I, I think they did a good job of making it mysterious as to whether or not Croden was telling the truth about um, uh, the changelings or not. Um, so, Michael, you're going you're to have to wait and see what was true or not, because um, some of the things he said were not true. But the key thing he has, that was... I mean that was uh, Bashir studies it and he says that it's it's definitely linked to to Odo. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's that strange kind of organic Material, matter that might yeah. be alive. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting and and Odo's uh, quest for his species is is one of the more interesting. Uh, Hmm. narrative threads in DS9 well, I, I, I think I think that the central dilemma for him in this episode was really well done where he has to choose between his sense of duty to justice to following uh, to following the letter of the law and uh, his curiosity about where he comes from and, and needing to know his origins yeah. uh, and putting those two things in, into conflict was, was a great way to, uh, to explore the character yeah, and once again, Odo, uh, Rene Aubergeois, I don't can't Excellent pronounce, pronunciation. I know, I can't pronounce his name. Um, he is one of the better actors on the show, and um, uh, so a show that's focused around him will probably be of better quality, for me at least. Michael still hates it, I don't know why. <laughs> I, I did, uh, wait, wait, he turned into uh, a glass in yep. this one, right? I really like that scene. That, I, I should say that. When uh, when Quark's brother was it was it Rom? Rom, yeah, yeah. Rom was was hold, was bringing in the glasses for I think there was four of them. Yeah, and then some they suddenly realized that there were five glasses on the tray. Yeah. Quark realized, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, apparently that was a callback to, I think it was Vertigo or something. or to some, Vertigo? Some sort of Hitchcock movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They, like uh, one extra glass and then that tips them off? Yeah, I I don't know. Um, and last, the last episode, the Nagus, was a reference to The Godfather. So they're really bringing in their movie references oh, these days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The last one they wanted to do uh, the Godfather in space. And oh, that's, that's yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, uh, this I this is the sort of episode that I like from Star Trek. Um, I don't know, uh, like, it's there's no once again, it's not huge stakes. It's not like the entire station is going to blow up if they don't figure out who Croton is. It's just a mystery that's allowed to kind of unfurl its own pace, which I prefer to some of the more, um, like if you think of some of the other mysteries that they've had on the in this season, um, like uh, what was that, that passenger one where they were trying to figure out where the dead guy was. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh and um, oh uh, oh the one where they thought Odo might be the murderer, and that was such a boring boring mystery yeah. we were like just he's not the murderer so just tell me how you did this yeah like, there was actual legitimate mystery in this episode yeah 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 and that's i think that when you have no idea of how the ending could happen that's what i'm excited by an episode it's it's funny because again I'm, I'm watching this for the first time and i was excited that maybe this planet that croton's taking odo to might have actual you know meaning for odo and it wasn't a disappointment when they land there and, and, and it was his daughter instead. It was absolutely not a letdown. I thought that they did that very well. Yeah. Like, they just give Odo just enough to 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 say, okay, like, this is kind of interesting. I, I, yeah, I, it's moving him forward a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, did you, while you're watching it, did you think, as I did... Oh, if if Croden died, his his uh, daughter might be on that planet for I like did. eternity. That's horrifying. <laughs> That's horrifying. Yeah, I mean, and he needed that special key to to unlock it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure someone eventually would have cracked it open, but that's horrifying. Yeah, she could have been there for thousands of years. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Do you okay? Here's here's my question. Do you think maybe he just should have told someone that his daughter was? <laughs> abandoned on a planet and then even if he died maybe someone else could rescue yeah, her yeah or maybe not put her in a stasis field <laughs> on a planet that's yeah. like in the middle of a um, like a exploding uh, gas nebula yeah I hate those exploding gas nebulas yeah those are terrible um, I the special effects were cool I like the shot of the ship with um, mm -hmm. the light behind it mm -hmm. that was cool yeah so you give this a thumbs up I give I, the, I give both of these episodes a thumbs up. I I mostly like this one. Mostly, Crodin's annoying. <laughs> I liked him. You just don't like the '90s hair. That's your problem. You, yeah. thought, you thought he was from like a Bon Jovi uh, yeah. Yeah. tribute band. Yeah. Um, well, um, that's it for today. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>